I don't know about you guys, but I am looking forward to that day when we can have church potlucks again and gather together and share food, have communion, like eating together, communion, real communion, not the little wafer and stuff. Those are important, and it's good to remember Jesus. But when the they had the actual Last Supper, it was like a it was a meal. I mean, they ate together. Like, that was dinner together. And I am looking forward to some future date, hopefully before too long, when we can all gather in a big group. Um, also, because I know I've had a couple people ask me, because um, it was the anniversary a couple weeks ago of some of our friends who have passed. Um, we're holding off having remembrance services until we can, like, pack the room. Um, and we can really, truly celebrate some of our friends who have passed during this last year, because we've had a couple of them. Um, and uh, so we're, we will be doing that at a future time. I'm trying to disentangle. Um, we will be having those at a future time when we can gather. Um, one of our our little friends in particular, Miss Billie Jean. Um, when we finally hold her memorial service, we may have to blow out the back wall because she knew so many people and was involved in multiple churches throughout her history here in Yakima, and everybody loved her. And so when we finally are able to hold her memorial service, like I said, we're going to need all the space we can find. Um, she's not the only one. But there's there's was a couple folks who we lost in this past year. Um, but just kind of as a so you guys know, we haven't forgotten. We truly haven't forgotten. We're just wanting to do it properly. We want to celebrate their lives properly. So um, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to begin. Holy Spirit, would you come? Lord Jesus, we need you today more than ever, God. Um, Lord, I um, just so sensed your presence in the room this morning, Lord, in worship, um, as we prayed, Holy Spirit, when you ambushed me in the middle of praying, Lord, I just, I know you're here. Um, so Lord, I would ask, um, Lord, you say that your word doesn't return void, that your scripture, when we delve into it, when we embrace it, when we engage with it, that it penetrates our hearts and our souls. And, and Lord Jesus, you reveal yourself to us um, through your word. And so, Jesus, would you show us yourself this morning? Jesus, would you, just as you did with the disciples a couple, a couple verses ago, appear in our midst and be with us? We love you, Jesus. We give you our lives, Lord. Amen. Well, good morning. Um, I'm Dusty. For those of you who have met me, I'm one of the pastors here. Um, and we have been going through the Gospel of John. This is our last week in the Gospel of John, which, if I'm being completely honest, I'm a little bummed about because I have really enjoyed working through the Gospel of John. Um, our, the next Gospel, when we jump back into the Gospels again at a future date, I'm thinking we're probably going to do Luke. I'm still not 100%, but I think so. I think we might do like a like a Luke-Acts 
kind of combination type thing, which I'm a little stoked about at some future year. Um, but we try to map out like a three-year, three to five-year trajectory for our preaching and kind of look at it and have a, have a plan and very prayerfully engage with God and the Holy Spirit and ask him, okay, God, where are we going? And it's been funny a couple times as we've been going through this series. It's like, we'll come on a verse or a chapter that we're working through. And then something will happen in our current day world that is directly analogous to what we read in the scripture that month. And like we planned it two years ago. And it's just the Holy Spirit like knowing, you know, you guys need this chapter and this verse. You need my word about this topic on this day. And so even though you planned it two years ago, it's going to pop this Sunday. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to be meaningful. And I've been so excited because it's happened a bunch of times. And I just it's always so cool to me. And it, it I don't know, it makes me happy. Uh, I don't know about you guys. I'm happy when I know the Lord is with me. <laughs> like when I can really know and see and sense that Jesus is with me. It just, there's this one worship song we do. Um, I'm going to maul it, but something to the effect of when God comes around, he changes things. Like, that he changes our atmosphere, he changes our situation, he changes. When the kingdom breaks in, when God's kingdom breaks in, like chains fall and barriers get broken down and walls are taken down brick by brick and, like, things change. And I just, I'm so excited for kind of what God's got coming for us. Um, but anyway, prior to that, we are going to finish John. So this week we're going to be in John 21, 15 through 25, where it's Jesus giving his final commands to his followers. Jesus is the way. He's the way for us to follow. It's not just enough for us to worship God, but we're called to emulate the lifestyle of Jesus, to be the people of the way. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is all truth. Literally all truth. He is our primary revelation of God's character to the world. Jesus is the life. Through Jesus, he gives us life both now and forevermore. So John 21, 15 through 25, starting off. When they had finished eating, remember the prior verse, they had the miraculous catch of fish, Jesus, in a beautiful act of hospitality, invited them to come eat a meal that he had prepared himself. Can you imagine how good that meal must have been? Like, a meal prepared by the hands of Jesus himself. Like, I, I bet, like, Gordon Ramsay would taste it and find nothing wrong. You know, that he just couldn't say anything bad about it. Like, it, it was probably the most beautiful flaky, succulent fish that they had ever tasted, right? That's how I imagine it in my head. Maybe someday when I get to heaven, Jesus will hook me up with a meal and we can find out. But I, that's what I believe. So anyway, they had finished eating this meal that was miraculously, after they miraculously caught the fish. And Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, Feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, 
Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, I think Peter was frustrated here. Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Three times Jesus asked Peter if he loves him. And it seems like this is to parallel the three times that Peter denied Jesus. Do you remember when he was at the fire in the courtyard of the high priest? Do you remember that scene when they're asking him, hey, weren't you one of those people who was with Jesus? And Peter's like, no, I don't know those people. That wasn't me, right? And he did that three times, and then the rooster crowed. And Peter felt that guilt, and Peter felt that shame. It's like Jesus is taking that circumstance and he's forgiving it time after time after Peter says that I love you. He asks him, do you love me? And Peter says, yes, Lord, I do love you. I care for you. He was clearly forgiven by Jesus. Not only was Peter forgiven, but he was given new responsibility. He was made an apostle. He planted churches. Remember earlier on when Jesus said on you, I will build my church, right? That Peter, you are the rock. Even though he completely denied Jesus, Jesus extended his forgiveness to him. And he didn't just forgive him. He restored him and gave him responsibility and authority. Guys, that that gives me hope for when I screw up. It gives me hope for when I make mistakes. It gives me hope. Because, I mean, it wasn't like Peter just, like, did some little sin or something, you know? Like, I don't know. I can't think of something off the top of my head. But, you know, just something, right? Did something he wasn't supposed to do. He literally denied knowing Jesus multiple times in a row. What did Jesus do? Jesus forgave him. And he restored him. That's a crazy thing. This whole grace and mercy that Jesus shows us is just, I don't know, sometimes it's really incomprehensible. If I was Jesus, I wouldn't have done that with Peter. I'm just telling you right now. Like, I don't think, I don't feel like I could trust Peter. Like, in my moment of greatest crisis, in my moment when I was standing and being judged, one of my best friends who hung out with me for years, day in and day out, said he didn't even know me. He didn't stand up for me. Right? So those of us in our flesh, we're going to be like, well, forget you. Peter, you denied me. That's a crazy thing. Jesus is just, like I said, his, his level of, of grace and mercy are just sometimes, a, it's almost incomprehensible. But when we, we get to have that hope, right? 
If you've ever denied Jesus in some aspect of your life, we can have hope. You would think that directly, like saying that you don't know Jesus over and over would be something pretty unforgivable, right? It's just judging from, I mean, reading this story that John presents to us about how he treated Peter, you can't come away with that understanding of who Jesus is. He calls for our repentance. We know Peter was repentant. We know Peter felt guilt and felt shame and, and sorrow. And I mean, we know that from the scripture. So we know that he was repentant. It wasn't just like, oh, well, I denied Jesus and I just kept denying him and I didn't feel bad about it. Right? He repented of that. And once he repented and expressed his love for Jesus, he was fully restored. And Jesus asks us, as his followers, to function in the same way. It's not always easy. But Jesus considers forgiveness to be one of the most important, powerful features of the kingdom of God, of the kingdom of God breaking in. Do you remember Matthew 18, 21 through 22? Jesus and Peter had this discussion about forgiveness. Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answers, I tell you, not seven times, but 70 times seven. And Jesus showed this with Peter, right? He showed this with Peter. Here's the beautiful thing about our Lord and Savior. He never asks us to do anything that he himself wouldn't do. And I feel like Jesus, not just in this instance that we're reading of right now where he forgives Peter, but over and over throughout his ministry and throughout his life, showed us what kind of character we're supposed to have. Remember one of his last acts when he's up on the cross? He says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. As he's hanging there dying, he says those words. It's incredible. I don't get it. But it's something to aspire to, right? It's something to model our lives after. Continuing on, verses 18 and 19. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But you were, when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, he's saying to Peter. He says, when you're old, you will stretch out your hands. Someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death that Peter would have to glorify God. And then he said to him, follow me. Do you guys remember when Peter's name was changed by Jesus? His original name was Simeon or Simon. And Jesus changed it to Peter, meaning the rock. But not that kind of rock. That's not the rock that he meant. Not, not my friend Dwayne Johnson. But this kind of rock, a solid rock. It would be the cornerstone of the church, right? And if the guy 
who our church, the church, capital C, church universal, meaning all of us who follow Jesus, if the guy who that Jesus says he will build that on, that like here's the basis for all of us to kind of like follow, and he denied Jesus over and over, and Jesus restored him <laughs> over and over. Like, so that's something we can feel in our bones, right? Because Jesus chose that guy for us to emulate. Jesus chose that guy as, like, the stone, the rock. I, I, guys, it gives me hope. It gives me hope. talking about Peter's death, doing a little bit of study. The early church fathers are unanimous in claiming that Peter died in Rome by crucifixion during the persecution of Nero in AD 64, so 64 years after Christ. Pope Clement of Rome wrote the following letter in 90 AD. Let us take the noble examples of our own generation. I had to stop there for a minute as I was reading this. I was like, how weird would it be, Pope Clement writing this, that like, Peter is his example of his generation. Right? It'd be like me. Let us take the noble example of my own generation, one Mr. William Graham, Billy Graham. Like, you know, I could say that, right? Like, of, of Billy Graham. And he's like saying... Peter, my peer, <laughs> my contemporary Peter. So anyway, uh, let's take the noble example of our own generation. Through jealousy and envy, the greatest and most just pillars of the church were persecuted and came even unto death. Peter, though unjust, through unjust envy, excuse me, endured not one but two of many labors. And at last, having delivered his testimony, departed unto the place of glory, do him. From the earliest days of faith, we look to other people of faith as examples. Peter, being an example to Pope Clement of how he lived his life, can we, taking this forward, extrapolating this out, what kind of character, what kind of example are we leaving behind, that others might write of us, that we have been a noble example of our generation. Character matters. It matters a lot. Character is super important, you guys. It's so important. How many times have you, like, said somebody was lifted up in his example, and then someone else says, oh, yeah, but, right? So you can't use them as an example because, right? But we know Peter failed, right? <laughs> it's pretty well documented. <laughs> We're still talking about it thousands of years. How, how would it feel to be Peter, and like thousands of years later, people are talking about, hey, remember that time that Peter really messed up? <laughs> like, for thousands of years, <laughs> But he's still regarded as a noble example, right? Because he corrected his mistake. His character stood out. Yes, I fell. Yes, I messed up. 
Yes, I made a mistake, but God redeemed me and restored me, and my character stands. Look to your character, church. Look to your character, people. It will last. It's something that will last. Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one, in case you forgot, not just that God loved him, but the one who leaned back against Jesus at the supper and said, Lord, who is going to betray you? In case you had forgotten who John was that was literally writing the gospel. But hey, when Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? So Peter asked Jesus, hey, John's following us. Dad, John's following me again. But Peter looked back and said, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Because of this, the rumor spread among believers that this disciple would not die. But Jesus did not say that he would not die. He only said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? Until I return, these words, until I return. I wanted to read this chapter from Acts, or these verses from Acts. Acts 1, 9 through 11 says this. These were his last words. As they watched Jesus, he was taken up into heaven and disappeared in a cloud. They stood there staring into an empty sky. Suddenly, two men appeared in white robes. They said, you Galileans, why do you stand here looking up into an empty sky? This very Jesus who was taken up from among you to heaven will come as certainly and mysteriously as he left. Jesus said to Peter, you must follow me. Regardless of what paths Jesus has for his other followers, he wants us to follow him the way that he leads us. Comparison to others is death. It's death. I believe it's a direct offense to the work of God in you when we compare ourselves to other followers of Jesus. When we try and measure ourselves to the person next to us, sitting beside us in church, or elsewhere at work, or wherever we are, when we're measuring ourselves to people beside us, we're essentially declaring that God something got something wrong, right? God, you messed up. You made a mistake. Because look at how amazing and beautiful and wonderful this Christian sitting next to me is, and how messed up and worthless and sinful and ugly I am. So God, you must have got something wrong in your unique design of us or them. You had to have made a mistake somewhere because they're so much better than me. You guys, it shows a complete lack of trust. God is redeeming you. Where you are here today, in this moment, if you allow it. 
God is in the process of redeeming you. He's in the process of restoring you. He's in the process of forgiving you. And he's always, always, always loving you, no matter what he loves you. And he says he'll never leave us, he'll never forsake us, and that there's nothing in heaven and earth that can separate us from that love that he has for us. Trust Jesus to redeem you. Trust Jesus to restore you. Trust Jesus to forgive you. Trust Jesus to love you. Trust Jesus to guide you all of your days. If we will allow him to, he will make us something incredibly beautiful and glorious. And that, as Pope Clement said of Peter, is a noble person of noble character. God can create such a beautiful, noble character in you if you trust him. It's just a matter of trusting him. And I know it's not easy. And I know it's hard when you've been hurt and when you've been broken and when people have let you down and you're making a connection between broken, messed up, earthly people and Jesus because that's the comparison that you have. And I know I know that's hard, and I get it, and I struggle with it too. So don't hear me up here telling you to do something that I don't wrestle with myself because I wrestle with it myself. Okay, I'm not pretending otherwise. But my life... ought to be a day-by-day process of continually submitting myself to the Lordship of Jesus and allowing him, just as like the picture that God showed me earlier, like letting him in the door, all those doors of those rooms that I have all locked up and bolted and triple locked and security paneled and biometrically sealed and like, uh, you know, hermetically, like, oh, you know, like I got that place locked down. Like, Jesus, don't go in there. This is too ugly. And I'm worried that if you see what's in there, you might not want me anymore, right? Because we're worried about that with other people. Right? If people really knew, like, like really, really knew the darkest parts of us, they would want nothing to do with us. And they would probably wonder why we don't just turn to ash when we walk in the doors of a church. Right? Like, because you don't know. Like the level of messed up we might be. Jesus does. And just like Peter, we can say, Jesus, you know me. You know all things. And you still tell me you love me? And Jesus says, yes. You still want me? And Jesus says, yes. Over and over and over. Jesus says, yes, I love you. And I want you. And you are my child. And I care for you. Let me heal you. Let me restore you. Let me redeem you. So our task, says N.T. Wright, our task as image-bearing, God-loving, Christ-shaped, spirit-filled Christians, following Christ and shaping our world is to announce redemption to a world 
that has discovered its fallenness, to announce healing to a world that has discovered its brokenness, to proclaim love and trust to a world that knows only exploitation, fear, and suspicion. That is bringing the kingdom of God. When we bring God's love, when we bring God's trust, when we show God's redemption to other people, like, like N.T. Wright says here, this, the broken world, the, the world that is under the king of darkness, the world that is under the dominion of the enemy, it knows only exploitation, fear, and suspicion. Trust, you guys, if I took a poll here in this moment, and the poll was about trust, I think most of us would raise our hands and say that trust is a rare thing in the world. But that fear, pretty rampant. Anger, pretty rampant. Exploitation, pretty rampant, right? Like all these things, those are, those are like, there's lots of that. There's not a whole lot of trust. There's not a whole lot of healing. And so guys, that's what makes us light. That's what makes us salt. That's what makes us distinct as followers of Jesus because when we accept Christ to walk alongside us and with us, we carry healing. We carry redemption. We carry trust. We carry love. We carry grace with us. We should be out there committing random acts of love all the time. If random acts of hate can happen, why can't random acts of love? Because it's weird? Be weird. Like, I'm already weird. Like, I just, I'm like adding a little extra weird on top of the weird I already own, right? Like, I can talk nerd stuff all day. You want Doctor Who to SPN to Star Trek to, like, choose your fandom, and I'm probably a part of it, right? I mean, I'm I just, I'm a full-fledged nerd. And then you throw the whole Jesus thing on top of there, and that's like a whole nother level of awkward, right? If I'm doing it right. See, the thing is, so many of us walk through our lives as Jesus, with just Jesus as like something that we keep in our pocket. And we really only pull him out sometimes. And so we don't really let like our freak flag fly of being like a full Jesus freak, right? It's just like, it only comes out every so often. But like when you're in the middle of a grocery store, and the Holy Spirit just told you to give a word to somebody, and you start praying for them in the middle of a grocery store, that freak flag is flying. Right? When you ask somebody, hey, I just heard that, like, your fifth boyfriend this year dumped you again. And you're really hurting. You're not quite sure what to do about it. Can I pray for you? God's kingdom. love of Jesus in that moment shatters the way the world is and brings it to the world as it should be, which is in alignment with God's kingdom, where we have grace and mercy and love 
and that healing is available for any who ask. Whether it be relational healing, whether it be physical healing, whether it be mental healing, like that we have, we have God's healing power can break in. And will it always be 100% and complete? No, obviously, like it doesn't always happen that way, but sometimes it does. And so that's why we have to ask. Our job is to ask. It's God's job to do. I can't heal anybody in and of my own power because I don't have that power. It's God's power. It's just on loan to me when I pray for somebody. I'm not even like, it's not even mine. I'm like, just, I've always thought of it as like a pipe. Like if you've, I, growing up, we used to do um, hand line irrigation in the orchard, in my grandparents' orchard. And so like you, you like connect the pipes, the water, the main faucets over here, and you like hook these pipes up together, these like aluminum dented pipes that get all destroyed really easily, especially when you're 13 and you're doing the thing and you hit it on a tree and it bends. And, but all that to say, like you connect these pipes and the water source is here. And as you connect these pipes, the water gets to where it's supposed to go. And I've always imagined the power of God that way. Like he's our source, right? The Holy Spirit, Jesus, he's our source. And, and we're just these pipes, these aluminum pipes. And we, we connect up to that source. And then hopefully we're not plugged up so that God's spirit can flow, right? Sometimes we're plugged up. We got to clear that out. But like that, so that's, we're just, we're just a conduit. We're a conduit for the power of God. Let's finish up. John 21, 24 and 25 says this. This is the disciple who testifies to these things and who wrote them down. We know that his testimony is true. Again, John tells us, which I'm so frustrated about, Jesus did many other things <laughs> as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world could not have room for the books that would be written. Like, well, John, maybe just a few more? Like a handful? <laughs> Ten? I don't know. Someday we'll get to hear about all the things that Jesus did while he was here on earth. So as we finish this journey, this multi-year journey that we've been on, we have to ask ourselves, how are we to respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ, to the good news of Jesus Christ, to this news of the kingdom of God breaking in? And what kind of soil am I? Remember the parable of the sower? What kind of soil am I? Am I shallow? Am I hard and rocky? Am I thorny? Or am I working on being good soil? How receptive am I to what God has for me? I feel like that's a question we need to ask ourselves each day. When I wake up, like, what kind of soil am I? Am I, am I good soil that... If God drops something on me, that it's going to grow and it's going to flourish and it's going to benefit both God and others, is, is that the kind of soil that I am? Am I working at that? So Chris and I garden quite a bit. Um, both, we, I think we both enjoy it. I, I don't like weeds. Uh, just kind of that thorny soil. Um, but good soil doesn't just happen, especially in Yakima. Like, we've got this hard clay stuff, 
And so if you don't add fertilizer, if you don't amend the soil with like peat moss or, you know, some, some good, you know, miracle Grow, if you're not digging it up, if you're not loosening the soil, it gets really hard and packed because it's this clay-like soil that we have here. Um, and so it takes, it takes effort to have soil that is good so that when you plant something, it's just going to grow well. I've got this one bush, ironically enough, it's called a burning bush. I've got this one bush that I bought like three years ago. And like in the spring, it gets, it gets some green on it. And I like, I really want this, this bush to grow because in the fall, it's beautiful because it's got like these bright, bright red leaves on it and they're gorgeous. And like, I've had this thing for three years now and I haven't killed it. And, and, I, my wife will attest, I'm actually really good with plants. Like, I keep all of our – I frustrate her because I grow our plants too much, and they're everywhere. But we've got lots of house plants, and I keep them all alive, and it's my job. So I'm good with plants. But this darn bush, like, it just suffers. It seems like it gets past the first month of spring, and then it just starts to die. And then it's just like this constant battle of trying to keep this darn thing alive. Like, it just – this bush does not want to flourish. And I've amended the soil, and – Chris just this last year dug it up and like separated the roots and planted it back in and it's looking pretty good. But this, there's obviously something in the soil that this bush does not like. And each and every one of us have things in our hearts and in our souls that the kingdom of God has trouble affixing itself to. That is anathema, that is contrary to the kingdom of God growing well in that soil. And so it's our responsibility, it is our duty, which we can't do by ourselves, because we can't do it by ourselves, but with the help of God and with God's people supporting us and surrounding us to amend that soil and to add in some peat moss, which might be prayer or to add in some fertilizer, which might be worship, or to add in, like, bring in some good new soil, which is like the word of God, right? Like, so my soil sucks. So I, I need to get some other soil in here that's better than the soil I have inherently, right? Like, I got to amend this soil. I got I to gotta make this soil better so that what God's planting here can grow well and strong and good and be healthy, unlike my bush that I have at home. So what things are you doing to do that? That's my challenge to you this morning. Ryan, can I get you to come up? Um, we're going to end with some worship and then kind of see what God's got for us. So. Just encourage you to stay here. Stay in this moment. speaking to some of you right now so we're just gonna take just be silent ryan's gonna quietly play and i just want to encourage you to just listen to what god's saying to you right now
just felt like I was supposed to encourage you guys that peace that you sense right now, that presence of God, that stilling in your heart, that's something you can keep with you. That's something that you can carry with you throughout the week. And it's something that just kind of like this song says that you can build your life from that place of God's presence. Yesterday I was in a time of studying and um, just spending some time with God. And um, we've been working on this um, message with the kids and I've been talking about um, the different things that we hear, the different things that we see to ourselves. Um, a lot of them are not true about who we are and about who God says we are. And as Jesse was sharing today, um, and I was specifically thinking about um, the blocked parts of our hearts, the parts that we hide away, the parts of ourselves that um, we might find unfavorable or unlovely, um, the hurt and the grief that we hold. I was thinking of this concept of hurt people hurt people. And um, one of the things I've been asking the teenagers is how can we reframe those things that we say to ourselves? And God said to me, Hurt people hurt people, but free people, free people. So um, I just, I'm just going to pray that over you. So God, um, I thank you that you are a God who sees us and knows us and loves us. God, that you see the beauty in us even when we don't. And God, you take all of those things that... Um, we believe in all of that hurt, God, and when we give it to you, that you can take that and you can free us, God. Not just for us to experience freedom, God, not just for us to be able to know uh, our worth and our identity, but God, that we can use that and that we can use that to take um, your love and your truth to the people around us. So God, I pray in those areas right now, God, I just see you just depositing your love and your grace and your um, just unbelievable um, amount of faith and belief that you have in us, that you are for us. And God, I pray that you start to break those things off in our minds and in our hearts that we believe that are not true, God. And God, I pray that you would start to set us free. God, I pray that you would show us um, in all of the ways, God, that you have for us. Um, just more of your truth, God. Thank you, God. Um, they're gonna, we're, we went a little bit long today, so I apologize for that. But um, uh, They're going to start bringing their kiddos in here soon. Um, but if I could have a couple folks to come up, um, if you would be willing to pray for people, or if you want to just grab somebody near you guys, that would be cool, too. Um, so if, um, yeah, if you guys want to come up. Um, so if any, just kind of what I said or what Kat just shared or something from earlier, if any of that kind of hit you um, and you would like one of us to pray for you, we are totally down to do that. 
and we'd be happy to do that. Um, or if you want to just grab somebody near you and ask them to pray for you, that's totally cool too. So that's going to end our service. Thank you guys for joining us this week, and we will see you next week. So take care.